Did you know that Focus on Women hosts a live chat on Clubhouse every Tuesday at noon Eastern? We cover numerous topics, such as the power of personal projects, imposter syndrome, treatments, and so much more. This week's episode is from our Clubhouse archive, where hosts Tracy Tarek and Amy V. Cooper talk with Julie Sarecki all about how to set up your website for success. Julie is a leading photo consultant who helps photographers strengthen their businesses and marketing practices, utilizing her industry experience as an agent. Pull out your notebook and pen or open a Word doc as there are some incredible tips and ideas inside this episode. Let's dive in. So we are talking about websites today. This is one of my favorite topics because this is the single most important marketing tool for photographers, creatives. This is where you drive everyone back to. Everyone that you interact with uh, gets driven back to your website. Um, So you want that to be always as strong as possible, obviously, but we also want that to be findable. And so that's why we're going to talk a little bit about SEO today as well. I'd love to hear from Tracy and Amy, um, just kind of a question to get started. What do you guys, like when you're looking at a really good website, what is it that jumps out at you that makes one stand out more than another? For me, it's a very clear, concise navigation. So the person who is there can understand what kind of photographer they're looking at and where to go to find what they need. So having really clear, concise names for your portfolios, um, using industry standard language, like lifestyle, portrait, things like that. I think that's probably the most important thing for me. Mm, Okay. I was going to say the exact same thing. I feel like very organized, easy to navigate, clean, you know, no sound, no nothing that's going to slow it down from loading. Awesome. Mm. Yeah. Loading speed. That's something that's sort of come up recently with a few clients that, um, you know, you do want to be very careful that the overall experience that your clients or potential clients have obviously is as streamlined as possible, as simple as possible. So that is important. I always like to say that when, when clients visit a website, there are three questions that they want answered really fast. One, and this kind of touches on what Amy said is what kind of photographer are you? So, you know, what are your specialties? What is your overall style? And for that, you do want to be as consistent as you can. You want to have clear navigation. They also want to know what level of photographer you are. So who have you worked with in the past? Have you had experience with clients of their same caliber? Are you prepared to take on a production the size that they're looking for? Things like that. And then also just where are you located? And you know, that's important, obviously, because they want if, if you have to be in a certain location, they need to know if you, you know, if you're going to be where the shoot is happening, but also if they are open to traveling someone to flying you out for a shoot, they need to know that that would be part of their production costs. So these are all things to consider. When you're putting together a website, you want everything like Amy said, to be super easy to find. You want the navigation to be as clear as possible. You want people to be able to answer the questions that they have as quickly as possible. And if you don't, or if it's confusing, if the work isn't consistent, people just leave. They'll just find another photographer. You know, sometimes they might reach out to ask those questions, but it's in your best interest to streamline the site and just give people what they're looking for. So a few things that you can do, and this I'd also love to hear some thoughts on, I love an overview section. I want to see like a first impression. I want to see different 
categories of work in there, a really strong, cohesive, very consistent overview of the work. But I know some people have really strong feelings about overviews. Tracy and Amy, what do you guys think? I think if you can create a really strong overview section, that's great. If you have multiple categories of work that you're doing and the style is fairly similar, I think I love a great overview, but I don't always recommend it. It really is for me specific to the photographer. So, you know, depending on how many different categories of work they have and if those different categories of work are shot differently. Mm. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the overview, especially a well-curated, well-branded overview, I feel like is an easy way to just immediately know what's how someone shoots, what they shoot. Yeah, just give like the full first impression right there. Right. Yeah, I think it's important because I, I, I think people do want to just see a really fast first impression. And then outside of that, you have a few different options for ways to present your work, obviously, depending on the photographer, depending on what folio. I think the only time that I don't want to see an overview of is if like you only shoot one thing, like someone who really only does lifestyle. We really just need like if the work is all consistent, if it's all very similar, we kind of just need that portfolio. We don't need to like maybe muddy it up by having those different sections. But usually I think that's a good place to start just to give that initial first impression, show show the clients or potential clients exactly what you can do and who you are as a person, how you present yourself, how you show your work, I think is super important. Outside of that, there's a few different ways to break down the rest of the site. I really like, and again, this will depend on the photographer, but I like to have a, a section that's broken down by category and then one that's broken down by client project as well. So we can see some some work that was shot for a client so we can show the types of clients that you've worked with. You can show what it looks like for you to complete a campaign, like what that what a whole project would look like. And then outside of that, also have those categories. So if someone you know shoots food and they also shoot lifestyle, we have a way to see just the food, just the lifestyle, and then maybe also a client project of food lifestyle, like where we're bringing everything together. And I think in general, that that does give, uh, for most clients that works. Um, there are some people, of course, if you don't have the client work that you want to be getting, then you, know, you don't want to show something that wouldn't be impressive, but you also, you know, kind of have to balance that. If you're not ready for it yet, just keep that on the back burner as something that you're building, um, something that you're working on. And, you know, consider that something that's going to happen down the line, because I think that is important. Outside of that, there's the issue of too many images. This comes up a lot with my clients. What do you guys think is like a good number of images? Do you ever put a number on it for your your artist, Tracy, or your clients, Amy? Yeah, I do. I put a number because I feel like you lose them after like 20 or 25 of images, you know, scrolling through them. So I, I don't do more than 25 per category. Ooh, 25. Nice. I think I, I usually like try to do a little bit more, but you're right. Like people will just stop scrolling. You know, they're not going to go to the bottom of the page if it's right. just this endless stream of images. Yeah. Yeah. 
I usually say 25 to 40, and I believe that the number of images that you have depends on the size of your thumbnails. I've got this idea in my head that people will scroll, like they'll flick their finger three times, and then after that, it starts to get like, okay, I've seen enough. So 25 to 40, depending on if you have really big thumbnails, maybe less. If you have really small thumbnails, maybe more. Oh, that's a good point that I hadn't really um, thought about. But yeah, and some people, I really like, you know, a, a sort of, I mean, a, a classic grid is fine. That works for a lot of people. But I like seeing websites also, there's sort of a, a reinterpretation of the grid where maybe the images aren't spaced out online. There's like more white space. And you're right, if you have, if you have it set up that way, you don't need as many images because you're really just getting to like, the length that people are willing to travel <laughs> to see your work and they're going to stop eventually. Um, this is another question actually that comes up a lot. I have a very strong opinion on this, but I'll, I'll wait. What do you guys feel about slideshow presentation? I am not a fan of, I'm not a fan of that, but I rather just like scroll with my finger. And then with sometimes with those slideshows, you either have to click or you have to manually move that bar. And oh yeah. People, I don't think people know yeah. that they can use the scroll wheel to go left or right. That's not instinctual. So I'm not a fan of that one. Totally agree. I feel like I always get lost. I always want to stop it from moving or, or I can't figure out how to get to the next image. Like, like Amy mentioned, sometimes you can't see the arrow. Yeah. And some of them don't have it. It's like it, or the, I mean, they have an arrow, but it's like until you hover on the image, you don't see it. And it's not super intuitive and they kind of all work differently. I'm glad you guys both said that because my very strong opinion is that I hate slideshows. I can't stand them. I think it like, it just totally limits the experience where also I feel like the sort of to Amy's point, like you're going to get, yeah, like three scrolls, right? But if you're on a slideshow, I feel like you only get like three images before you just get like tired of doing the slideshow. And that just really limits like the overall impression that you can possibly make for a client if you're only showing if they're only willing to look at a few images before they just leave the page that actually kind of ties into the seo part another thing that you should be thinking about and and tracy mentioned this with uh with loading time one part of seo that you do want to consider for clients is that the the longer you can keep someone on a page will boost your seo so and that's a little bit counterintuitive to what we're saying about having smaller galleries because we don't want people to just leave um, or just stop looking at the images but we do want to keep them there to take in the images and slideshows are, are going to be a poor way of doing that people won't stay on the page as long if you have it in a scrolling format people will stick around they're going to look at the images they can click through to see some larger than others and you're overall going to boost your seo just by having that format in place instead of encouraging people to just get off of the website or go to a different page and bounce around. So we want a scrolling a scrolling website. You want it broken down by category. We do want with the categories also to have it, some like idea of what your niches are without getting too nitpicky. And this, um, I think Amy mentioned with the, you know, using clear navigation, you you want to name them whatever they are, but using industry terms. And you want to make sure, I think, I usually say no more than three categories. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, I agree with that. Same. 
Yeah, I think anymore, and you kind of start looking like a jack of all trades. Um, and since we do want to focus so heavily on consistency and cohesiveness with the portfolios, it's in your best interest to keep that limited to, a, you know, a, no more than three categories that you shoot. And typically, people don't, I would say most people that I work with don't really have much more than that, um, because they're not just kind of wildly shooting whatever they want, you know, you end up having your interests, your type of client that you prefer, but you do want to keep that limited. Outside of the, just the fun, you know, the format of your pages of your galleries, one thing that comes up a lot with clients and that I think is probably difficult if you are a photographer looking at your own work, but really focusing on sequencing when you're putting together those images. So as you're putting together your galleries, you should start off visually, it's it's better to start off with a, a simpler image and sort of flow into more complicated ones. But in general, you do want those images to have a bit of a flow. You want them to lead one into the next, to feel like sort of an organic change is happening. So, you know, not putting a super dark image next to a super light image that's going to be confusing for the viewer. And if you're using, if you are using a grid gallery, where the images you know, are on the same horizontal line, there's some small details that you can pay attention to as well to sort of combat focal fatigue or like eye fatigue with uh, the viewer. So some of those little points, making sure when you have, let's say you have three images that line up next to each other, making sure that the focal point of each image is in a different place so they don't just flow totally one into the next. So like if you're, let's say you shoot portraits, making sure that the eye level of the portraits is at a different level, it's different heights in each image. For landscapes, that could be making sure the horizon line is not connected like one image to the next. For food or product, that can mean like switching out like a flat lay with a, you know, a different perspective. Kind of keep in mind that when people are looking at those galleries, they're scrolling top to bottom, but they're also looking left to right. You know, we all read websites the same way we read books. We look left to right. So if your images are too similar on one line, people are going to get eye fatigue. They're not going to keep they're not going to see the individual details of each image. They're all going to sort of start to blend together into like one line. And that's something that we don't want. You know, you want, again, you want people to stay engaged the whole time they're looking at your website. We want them to stay on the page and we want them to really look at the work, not just see, you know, sort of a block of portraits, a block of food, a block of this. We want them to, to engage with each individual image. So as you're sort of putting that together, you know, you're thinking about the the overall layout, the navigation, you're using industry terms, you've got it set up in a way that people enjoy, you know, looking at the website, they're seeing everything. You do want things to be as consistent as possible. And one of the reasons that we want that is because it's your job as a, you know, as a photographer, as a freelancer, you are a business owner. One thing that you are tasked with throughout all of your marketing is to build client trust. One of the ways that you're going to do that is by being consistent on the website, by using industry terms that your clients would use if they were looking for a photographer. So 
you know, instead of saying, having a category that just says people, you know, call it portraits, call it lifestyle, even with, you know, food, you can kind of break down, like just call it food and beverage, food and drink, don't, you know, use too too much language that goes outside of like what is accepted and recognized within the industry and keep the work consistent. So you want to build that in the website also by showing the client work like we said showing you know client portfolios is a good way to do that also listing out your clients telling us who you've worked with in the past including that in a bio page or you know an about page give us some information about what level you're at who you've worked with before and that all just helps to build that trust um, that you want to have with your clients so on your bio page we do want, like we said, we want that client list. You want to include your location. You know, we said that at the beginning, location is very important, obviously. And keep your bio brief. Uh, I think we could talk about this forever. I know we, you, Amy, you and I have talked about this on webinars before, but we want this to be very brief. Um, I don't need to hear about your entire career with photography since you got your first camera, but you know, feel free to give some context into who you are as a person. You know, what drives you what you're interested in you know even like what you do on the weekends like tell me a little bit of something that would help the help the reader to connect with you because you're a, you're going to get some past clients or people who know who you are but we also want new people coming to the site and we want you to give them some personality there um guys what do you think about bio pages what do you what have you seen recently that was like a really good uh a good layout or like a good tool to use anything that's come up recently i totally agree with what you're saying about that i believe that clients come to your bio page to establish trust with you and they're looking to kind of figure out what it's going to be like to work with you and i'm a big a big fan of the first person bio especially for commercial photographers mm. um I think that it's great to to talk a little bit about your personality and maybe if you have any um, any extra skills that could be a benefit on set. So if you're an adventure photographer, maybe you mention you know some mountain you've climbed or <laughs> um, something like that. Uh, I think we we all probably kind of joke about most photographers talk about, you know, their dad gave them their first camera and they went to college <laughs> here. Um, that doesn't really mean anything to the client. They don't really care how long you've been doing it or where you went to college. They are looking to establish trust with you and, and again, to understand what it, what is it going to be like to work with you? So I love it when people talk about, you know, what kind of food they're going to have with catering or what kind of playlist they're going to have going or what the vibe is on set. And it doesn't matter if it's really fun or if it's serious, like whatever it is, that's a great indication to the client. Yeah, well put, Amy. Um, I think that's also the a point that you made that I really like is like, yeah, if you're an adventure photographer, tell us about an adventure you went on. If you're a food photographer and you love cooking, like tell us about something you made, you know, put, put like, I like the idea of adding like a connection between who you are as a person and what your personal interests are and the type of work that you create. Agreed. I think, I think too, I really, I don't know if you mentioned this or not, but I like a photograph. I like to see oh, yeah. the person. 
Yeah, definitely. I think always include a photo to like, just put a face with the name and with the work. And yeah, like you said, Amy, that really does, you know, this is all part of building trust with those clients. And I think that actually kind of reminds me of another thing that I, I think we've talked about and that has come up is the importance of sharing personal projects on the site as well, because a lot of clients, like they do want to see that work. They like to see what you can create. You know, if no one gave you a job and no one art directed this except you, like what would you come up with? What would, what would you like sort of instinctually create if it was just you left to your own devices? And when I work with my clients on creating those personal projects, one thing that we try to do is connect to who you are as a person. So yeah, like if you're a, if you are a food photographer, maybe you do a project using food in different ways or like, you know, bringing it into a new environment or showing uh, the whole process of creating something that you care about. Or if you're a sport photographer, you know, you can follow a local team or, you know, put things together that connect to who you are as a person. I think that helps clients to trust you that, you know, this is, you're just doing what feels natural. This is just who you are. And it creates just more interesting content because it's, it's just whatever you kind of came up with, like what's here, what's in your brain. Um, and I think finding ways to connect to all of that does help to give the clients an idea of who you are as a person, what you'll be like on set and what you can create with them. You know, uh, if, if there is the opportunity for a collaborative experience with a client, a collaborative production, then, you know, they, they can trust more that you're going to bring some ideas to the table because you have all of this personal work that you've created that's like just you, just what you came up with. Yeah, I agree with that. I think clients love to see personal projects and it's also an opportunity for you to inspire them to maybe do something different with their brand. Mm, yeah, true. Yeah, because they are, I mean, it, they are also creatives, you know, and I think especially now, I think that collaborative energy is appreciated and valued a lot. So yeah, if you can show that, that you also, you know, that you have ideas, that you have, you know, a vision that you've turned into a project and you can bring that to the shoot with them as well. Another thing that I think a lot of photographers, I feel like dismiss a lot of the time or just don't know about is SEO. And that is one of my favorite things to talk about. SEO is super important for photographers. I mean, it's important for everyone, but I think for photographers, it's really important because of a few different things. One, because you can reach clients in different markets. When you set up you know, your local SEO, you can get people to find you when they're not in your same location. Um, but it's also all stuff that you can do yourself. So if you want to reach new clients, if you want to get to the top of the, you know, Google page, Google first page, it's all stuff that you can do. You don't need to hire someone for that. So it's a marketing tool that's very easy for you to use. Hi, Mariel. Did you have a question for us? I did have a question. Hi, my name is Mariel. I wanted to know... I'm looking at my analytics for my website and it seems as though my my views come from desktop and mobile kind of equally. Um, but what mm. is your suggestion for how to lay everything out? Should I make it more user friendly for somebody who is looking on a, a device or somebody who is sitting in front of a computer? Ooh, well, who is your website host? Squarespace. 
Okay, so Squarespace typically does a good job of creating mobile-friendly versions. Um, have you looked at your website on mobile? Are you happy with the presentation? Yeah, I. Um, whenever I make an update, I make sure it works both. Make sure it it looks nice both ways. But as um, as somebody who's looking to to hire me, are they looking on a, a, a how should I present it? Because it does look it does look different. For example, the portfolio page, you can see you can see a, a grid of all of the images that I have up there. But when you are on a device, you have to you have to you have to swipe and you can only see one image um, yeah. at a time. I think that's okay. I mean, I think most people recognize that it's going to look different on a on a device than on a website. But I would say you're you should be focusing on the the actual desktop presentation over okay. the mobile presentation. I'd also be interested to know where the people are coming from when they go to your website. Interesting. I actually haven't looked that up, um, but that would be uh, what would be your um, your thoughts on that if they're coming from, say, Instagram versus a Google click. So if they're coming from Instagram, this is my thinking that if they're coming from Instagram, you don't really know. You have less information about why they're coming to the website, I think. And depending on your follower list, um, and you can look at this on your Instagram. If you have a business account, you can see, you know, when you post something, how many of the interactions or not just interactions, but the impressions are from followers or non-followers. So if you're familiar with who your follower list is, if there are a lot of clients on there and all of the, you know, all of your posts, the impressions are coming from followers, and then half of your website clicks are coming from Instagram, you can kind of figure out who the people are that are clicking through from Instagram, right? Like mm -hmm. they're, if it's all, if it's a lot of clients that you have following you, then we would want to take that information maybe a little bit more seriously. But if we don't, if, if that's not the case, if you're being followed by a mix of people, or if it's mostly other photographers, and then some clients, I would kind of take that those analytics with a, a grain of salt, basically. Okay. Because I think most clients are going to look at the at the desktop. I feel like that's going to be where they go for the the strongest presentation, you know. And if they want to pull images to share, you know, put into a deck or something like that, they would do that from the website. I think that's where you should be putting your energy. Okay. Great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, that is a good question. You know, I, another thing like that you brought up that people should be doing is looking at their analytics, um, you know, seeing where visitors are coming from, seeing how they're looking at the website and, and molding your presentation based on that. And that also kind of ties into SEO, my favorite topic, um, because SEO is also something that you can be tracking. Um, there's a tool called Google Search Console. And Mariel, it does connect directly to Squarespace. So uh, you should set that up if you don't have it set up already. And basically what that tool does is it tells you, it just gives you more information on what's driving people to your site. So if you are seeing people come from, you know, from clicks, uh, you'll be able to see if they're searching uh, or if it's coming to them from a search result, you'll be able to see that information to see what what they're looking up so you'll you can see like if someone 
if if you looked at the at the data and you know it'll most likely the top search result leading to your website is just going to be your name that's what most people are looking for that for photographers and you know for amy as well like that's going to be the the thing that takes people to the website the most but you'll also be able to look and see you know, are they going, are they searching for food photographer? Are they searching for location? Or are they searching for a client name that you have on the website? You'll be able to get all of that information. And you're going to be able to use that to sort of guide your website design as well. And this is a reason, like we said before, why it is so important to use industry terms throughout your website. So like, I think the example I gave before is uh, if you have a category, you know, of, of, humans don't call it people call you know do portraits do lifestyle use those industry terms because when you're setting up your seo your keywords that you use are going to be the terms that your clients would be searching if they search for you so you know if someone let's just say is in new york and they're looking for a food photographer or a portrait photographer in la they're not going to look up people photographer, right? They're going to look at portrait photographer. So it's important to use those keywords. And that's all part of what we call on-page SEO, which is just everything that's happening on your website that contributes to your SEO. So for you, I mean, as photographers, that's tricky because there's typically not a lot of text that you use. And that's really what drives a lot of SEO is the text on your website. But there are ways that you can strengthen that. And so using industry terms in your navigation, adding to your bio actual keywords. So if you're a food and lifestyle photographer in Los Angeles, say, you know, I'm Jane Doe, a food and lifestyle photographer in Los Angeles, use those exact words uh, throughout your bio, throughout the website. So one, so that it's super clear to your clients, there's never any confusion about who you are or what you do, but also so that you're findable on search engines. So add that text where you can. Um, another thing that you can do is renaming your image files. Um, image files are searchable in Google. So if you use those keywords, you know, let's say you're, we'll, we'll use the same imaginary photographer. So your file name could be Jane Doe, food photographer, Los Angeles for your food images. You know, you can trade out food for lifestyle for lifestyle images, you know, sort of experiment as well with trading out maybe instead of commercial, you can say advertising, um, you know, editorial, do all of that. And then you'll be tracking it using that Google search console that we said. Um, and that'll give you great insight onto into what is drawing people to your website, what they're looking for, and what they're responding to, how many people are making that search and then clicking on the website or not clicking on it also. That will help you to basically strengthen everything. So Adding those keywords into your bio, into your navigation, um, updating those image file names, and then filling out all of those SEO fields on your website. Um, I work with clients who use all different kinds of websites, uh, and I would say the vast majority all have the same fields available for you to fill out. You have the, the meta title and meta description for the entire website and then titles and descriptions for each page. It's important to fill those out. They're there for a reason. The website 
you know, the, the host of your website, they want Google, they want you to show up, they want you to be successful. So they're giving you those tools. And the only website host that I've ever used with a client that didn't have those options is Cargo Collective. So if you use any of the other ones, I know that they have this and you can all fill them out, put in those keywords, do as much as you can, anything that it guides you to do, really, um, you should fill out as much as possible. And then another thing that you will want to do is set up a Google My Business account. And what that is, is it's basically Google's like just business registration. So like if you went on your computer right now, let's say, Amy, you're in Austin. So if you went on your computer and you looked up like a lawyer, uh, you know, just typed in lawyer near me or something, you would come up with people in Austin. If I were to do that, I would come up with people in Richmond. We wouldn't get the same results uh, because we're not in the same location and search engines know that and they're trying to push content on us that or push results on us that are close to us because that's probably what we're looking for. So when you set up a Google My Business account, what you're basically doing is telling Google, one, that you're a business, um, but also where you're located so that you can show up in local search results. So, you know, the lawyers that Amy finds when she does that search, they've set up a Google business account that tells Google where they are. And now that's being given, that's being presented to her. And likewise, for me, that's why we're getting totally different results when we do that. And you're in the US, you really are open to clients across the US. Um, You're not just limited to people in your direct local network, even though that might be where the majority of your work comes from, you're not really limited. Clients just need to know where you are and they need to be able to find you. So if you are a a food client um, in New York and you want to shoot something in LA, if you haven't set up that Google My Business account, you're not going to show up for those clients. They're going to have no way of finding you. And part of what you want with your website, you know, we want Obviously, we want past clients and we want the people who already know about you to have a good experience when we're when they're looking at the website. But you also want to be findable to new clients Um, because if someone is going, let's say, you know, if you are looking for a photographer and you go on Google and do a search for them, you're you're in a position where you're looking to hire someone right now. That's why you're doing that search. So it's a different type of marketing. It makes everything easier for you because you're not just marketing to a potential client who at some point in the future may want to hire you. When you're using SEO, you're marketing to people who are looking to hire someone right now who already have a job that they're looking for a photographer to fill. So it's very important to get that set up so that you can be findable to people they can find your work. They may not have already heard of you, but now is their opportunity to find you and find your work. So those are all the things that you can do yourself. Another thing is creating backlinks. And that's part of what we call off-page SEO, um, which is just what it sounds like. It's just the stuff that is not on your website. Um, And backlinks like, you know, Mariel, what you're saying, if you're getting website traffic and it's coming just from links, those are all backlinks. Everything that's driving a person to your site is a backlink. As, I mean, obviously, aside from like, you know, something that you send in an email. When we talk about like signing up for directories, you know, found, workbook, wonderful machine, all of those, um, one of the benefits to those, 
is also helping your SEO. Um, having the link to your website in your Instagram bio and people clicking on it, that helps your SEO. But the what you need for those to be effective is for the site that it's connected to, to be not a valid website, because but it needs to be related to you and your work. So if, you know, Trader Joe's put your link on their website, that wouldn't help you at all because no one who's looking at the Trader Joe's website is looking for a photographer right now, probably. They're looking for food or something. So you want the the backlink to come from a relevant source. And that's why if you, on those directories, those are relevant sources. And the search engines will recognize that if someone clicks on you from one of those directories and they spend time on your website, that they've found what they're looking for. They were looking to see more on your website than they did on that initial one and they went and they found it. So that's something that it's a little bit hard to set up because with backlinks, you know, you can use the directories, you can submit your workplaces, things like that, but you, you can't make a website link to you. So you do have to, you know, kind of find those good partnerships, find the the right place to have your work shown, to have your website linked and be building that. And that's something that you kind of should always be working on and, and building those backlinks up so that you gain more uh, validation from the search engines. Um, does anyone have any questions? I'm sort of on a monologue right now, but I'd love to answer any questions that people have. Hi, Therese. Um, my question is, how important do you think alt text is to your SEO? Oof. I mean, it's not going to make or break the site. When Usually when this comes up, I it, like with SEO, really, there's no one thing that's going to really, like, really make or break, except that Google Business Account is really important, you guys. Um, but alt text, I think, it, for photographers, it's just so tedious to add that to all of mm -hmm. the images. You know, if you're on the back end of your website, you know, kind of add some of that in here or there. But yeah, I wouldn't stress yourself out over over the alt text. Hmm. That's interesting. Okay. And then you, you did mention um, changing your file names, mm. which I think is um, highly important in that as I use photographers websites and sometimes use them as samples I will drag an image off their website into my work or into my folder mm. and their file name is img123.com oh yeah jpg <laughs> and so now I have an image with no attribution so I and I'm like oh shit now I, I don't remember who took this picture Right. <laughs> so, yeah. and, and that's how our creative directors and art directors and everybody else out there is using the site. If they can drag an image off your site, which of course not all, not all websites have that capability, you're now dragging it with no information, no metadata, no nothing. That is really important. I think that's another thing that people don't often think of is that those file names, like other people can see them, you know, that's not just on your end. <laughs> so you do want to format that in a way to make it easier for your clients so they mm -hmm. can see your name on there, you know, or some way to connect it to your initials, maybe even. But yeah, don't just give them this sort of like auto generated file name that your program put together. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's really important. But on the other hand, it does pose a problem on the back end of anybody that's really super organized with their imagery that the file naming convention is so important. And mm -hmm. maybe their back end doesn't include their name, because <laughs> they know it's their image. And yeah, so that's file, renaming those files can also cause back end issues, which is kind of terrifying. And, and especially when you go into a career of 25 years. Yeah, of course. So, um, Teresa, I actually have a question for you with regard to what you were saying with, you know, pulling images off of a website. How important would you say that is to you if someone doesn't have downloads enabled? I'll just do a screen grab. Oh, OK. And that still works. Well, it works for me. It's not as useful if if I'm pulling an image off a site into a folder with metadata already in it, then it's all that image is protected right mm -hmm. versus yeah. if i'm doing a screen grab now i have to take the additional time to go rename that screen grab and make sure it's in the right folder so it's a little bit of additional work for me but uh and i'm willing to put that work in because screen grabs I, being on both ends of things as a photographer that's also producer and mainly i'm a producer the protection of images is really important Right. And so I understand why mm -hmm. people would not have that enabled on their website. I'm actually surprised when it is enabled and I can do that. <laughs> but oh. on the other hand, I can see the importance to a creative director working really fast and, and pulling images or, you know, in 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 house uh, art buyer, for instance, would be able to create these galleries or these um, folders really quickly to then present to the client or their their team. Right. Yeah. It, yeah, I think there's a weird, or not weird, but there is like, it's sort of an interesting dynamic there where you do want to protect the the work that you have, um, while also making it easy for your clients to access it so that you can get more work. If you've enjoyed this conversation, know that there is so much more to focus on women. We are a membership-based organization, and as a member, you have the opportunity to work with a mentor, highlight your work through our Artist Spotlight, partake in portfolio reviews, and best of all, keep the conversation going through our member-only Slack channel. Hop over to focusonwomen.org to sign up today and take advantage of all of these items that will move you forward and support you on your journey. Thank you for listening this week. We'll be back next week with another wonderful episode. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. That is such a huge compliment for us. If you want to be on the show, head to focusonwomen.org forward slash podcast and fill out the form there so we can be in touch. If you know someone who should be on the show, feel free to recommend them. Stay safe and keep your creative juices flowing.